Hi, I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And I'm Father Gregory Pine. And you're listening to the Catholic Classics Podcast, where we seek to grow our prayer lives by learning from the Church's greatest saints and teachers. Spiritual reading can be challenging for many Catholics, so this podcast is here to help. Each season, we'll read through a great work, unpack its timeless wisdom, and encourage you with practical tips for the pursuit of holiness. The Catholic Classics Podcast is brought to you by Ascension. This season, we're reading Ascension's edition of Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. To get your copy of the book and download the reading plan for this season, visit ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics or text intro to 33777. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app. This is day seven. Today we'll be reading from part two, instructions for elevating the soul to God through prayer and the sacraments, chapters one through three, pages 109 through 118 in the Ascension edition of the book. Before we get into the reading, a quick look at what we're covering today. In the first part of the book, St. Francis gave advice for beginning the devout life, moving from desire to action. He finished the section by moving us or inspiring us, encouraging us to make a general confession, to put those desires into practice. Now, as we get into part two, St. Francis leads us more deeply into the devout life through two particular means or tools of the spiritual life, prayer and the sacraments. In these first three chapters of this part, St. Francis begins to introduce us to prayer, to meditation, and often for us, the, pray, the desire for prayer is, is present, but we're left wondering how to begin, how to start. And for this, St. Francis comes to the rescue. So let's begin with a prayer, and then we can turn to the reading for today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grant us grace, O merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, for the praise and glory of thy name. Amen. Chapter 1. On the Necessity of Prayer Since prayer places our mind in the brilliant radiance of the divine light, and warms our will with the heat of heavenly love, there is nothing that so effectively purifies our mind from its ignorance or our will from its depraved attachments as does prayer. It is that water of heavenly blessing, making our good desires grow green and strong, washing our souls from their imperfections, and quenching our passion's thirst. However, above all else, I recommend mental prayer in particular, that which has our Lord's life and passion as its object. By frequently meditating on Christ, your whole soul will be filled with him, teaching you his ways and framing all your actions upon his divine model. He is the light of the world. Therefore, we must allow ourselves to be enlightened and illuminated in him, through him, and for him. He is the tree of desire, under whose shadow we must refresh ourselves. He is the living well of Jacob, in which we wash away what stains us. Yes, as little children learn how to speak by listening to their mothers and practicing by babbling with them, so too, by remaining close to our Savior through meditation and observing His words, deeds, and affections, we shall, by His grace, learn how to speak, act, and will like Him. My dear Philothea, this is where we must forever remain, for we can only come to God the Father through this door. Indeed, just as a mirror could never catch our eye if it did not have its reflective backing, so too we could never have been able in this world to contemplate the Godhead 
had it not been united to the sacred humanity of our Savior, whose life and death is the most fitting, delightful, sweet, and profitable object for our ordinary meditation. The Savior knew well what he was saying when he called himself the bread that came down from heaven. For just as bread should be eaten with all sorts of meat, so too in all our prayers and actions our Savior should be the subject of our meditation, of our consideration, and of all that we seek. His life and death have been the subject of meditations organized in various ways that are written by eminent spiritual authors. Practice the spiritual exercise for an hour every day before dinner, or if possible, early, for at that time your mind will be less distracted and fresher after your night's rest. However, do not spend more than an hour in it unless your spiritual director expressly advises you to do so. The easiest and most fitting place for performing this exercise is in a quiet church, if possible, for neither father nor mother, wife nor husband, nor any other person whatsoever can prevent you from staying an hour in church, whereas at home, pressed by so many duties, you cannot be sure that you will have the leisure for such meditation. Whatever kind of prayer, be it mental or vocal, should begin by placing yourself in the presence of God. Observe this rule without exception, and you will quickly see its advantages. In my opinion, dear Philothea, you should recite the Our Father and Creed in Latin. However, you should likewise learn to fully comprehend the meaning of the words in your own tongue, so that while you recite them in the common language of the Church, you may at the same time relish the wondrous and delightful meaning of these holy prayers. As you say them, focus your thoughts and rouse your affections upon their meaning, not reciting many words, but rather striving to speak these words from your heart. For a single Our Father said with true feeling is of more worth than ever so many run over in haste. It is of great use to pray the rosary, provided that you know how to do so fittingly. To this end, you might make use of various small devotional books that teach you how to recite it well. It is also good to make use of the litanies of our Lord of Our Lady and the Saints, as well as all other kinds of vocal prayers that can be found in approved manuals of prayer and books of ours, so long as you bear in mind that if you have received the gift of mental prayer, you always give it the chief place. Thus, if after this, either because of the burden of your work or for some other reason you cannot say your vocal prayers, you need not be troubled on that account, but rather may remain content with saying either before or after your meditation the Lord's Prayer, the angelic salutation that is the Hail Mary, and the Apostles' Creed. If, while praying vocally, you feel your heart drawn and invited to interior or mental prayer, do not reject this invitation, but instead quietly allow your mind to turn that way. Do not worry about finishing whatever vocal prayers you were going to say at that time, for such mental prayer is more pleasing to God and more profitable to your soul, except for the liturgy of the hours, if you are bound by obligation to say it. Now, if the pressures of some affairs or some other passing event prevent your whole morning from allowing you leisure for this holy exercise of mental prayer, something that you must take care to avoid as much as possible— then, in that case, strive to repair this loss after your main meal, though not immediately thereafter, so as to avoid both drowsiness and potential injury to your health. However, if through the course of the entire day you can find no time to set aside for this meditation, repair this loss by multiplying the little prayers you say aloud throughout the day and by reading some book of devotion with penitent prayer to prevent this from happening again, firmly resolve to take up the practice the next day. Chapter 2. 
A brief method of meditation, beginning with awareness of God's presence, which is the first thing to be done in preparation. Perhaps, however, Philothea, you do not know how to practice mental prayer, for, unfortunately, few today know how to take up this practice. Therefore, allow me to offer you a brief and simple method until you have the time to be more fully instructed by some of the excellent books which have been composed on this subject, and above all, by your own practice of it. Let us begin by first and foremost noting the importance of preparation, which involves two things, placing oneself in the presence of God and calling upon his assistance. As regards placing yourself in the presence of God, I will here present you with four principal means which will aid you here at the start of your practice of such prayer. The first of these means is to arouse in yourself a lively and attentive awareness of God's omnipresence, that is, the fact that God is in all things and in all places, and that no place nor anything evades his presence. Thus, just as the birds, no matter where they fly, always are in the air, so too wherever we go or wherever we are, we find God present there. Everyone knows this truth. However, they do not truly grasp its meaning. A blind man, though he cannot see that a prince is in his presence, nonetheless acts courteously when told that he is there. However, the truth is, because he does not see his prince, he easily forgets that he is present, and then having forgotten this fact, he all the more easily loses his respectful and reverent demeanor. Alas, Philothea, we do not see God who is present with us, and although faith assures us of his presence, nonetheless, since we do not behold him with our eyes, we all too often forget him and act as though he were far removed from us. For although we are well aware that he is present in all things, we still put this out of mind and act as though we did not know it. And so before we pray, we must always rouse our minds and attentively recall and ponder God's presence. Thus, David grasped this presence when he exclaimed, If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Like Jacob, after he saw the sacred ladder rising up to heaven, we should say, How awesome is this place! Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He meant that he did not bear it in mind, for he could not be unaware that God is in all things and everywhere. Therefore, when you come to prayer, you must say to your own heart, with your whole heart, O my heart, my heart, the Lord is truly here. The second means for placing yourself in his sacred presence is to reflect on the fact that God is not only in the place where you are, but that in a wholly unique manner he is present in your heart, nay, in the very center of your spirit, which he enlivens and animates with his divine presence. He is within you as the very heart of your heart and the spirit of your spirit, For just as the soul is spread out through the whole body, present to all its parts, while nonetheless residing most especially in the depths of your heart, so too, even though God is present in all things, he takes up a special presence within our spirits. Therefore David called God the God of my heart. And St. Paul said that in him we live and move and have our being. Therefore, by considering this truth, you will rouse your heart to profound reverence for God, who is so intimately present there. The third means for placing yourself in his presence is to consider our Savior, who in his humanity looks down from heaven upon all mankind, though most especially on Christians who are his children, and even more particularly on those who are praying, whose actions and behavior he observes in detail. This is not a mere pious reverie, but rather a most certain truth, for although we do not see him, nonetheless he beholds us from on high. Thus, St. Stephen, while being martyred, saw our Lord 
And therefore, we may truly say with the spouse, Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. Finally, the fourth method consists by an effort of the imagination in representing to ourselves the Savior in his sacred humanity, as though he were beside us, like when we think of our friends, imagining him doing this or that, almost as though we could see him present at our side or hear his voice. However, if the blessed sacrament of the altar is present with you, then such presence is no longer imaginary, but rather it is truly real, and the species and appearances of bread are merely a kind of veil behind which our Lord is really present to us, looking upon us and considering us, although we cannot see him as he is in heaven. Therefore, make use of one of these four means of placing your soul in the presence of God before prayer. Do not use them all at once, but one at a time, briefly and simply. Chapter 3 the second point of preparation for meditation, the invocation of God's assistance. We invoke God's assistance as follows. Your soul, now truly sensing that it is in God's presence, prostrates itself with the most profound reverence, acknowledging that it is wholly unworthy to appear before so sovereign a majesty. However, knowing that his goodness so wills it, the soul humbly begs the grace to serve and worship him in this meditation. To this end, if it is useful, you may use some short and impassioned words like those of David, cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Let your face shine on your servant, and I will consider your marvels. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. I am your servant, give me understanding, and other such words. It will also be for use for you to call upon your guardian angel and the saints present at the particular mystery you are considering. For example, if meditating on our Lord's death, then the mother of God, St. John, Mary Magdalene, and the good thief, so that they might give you some share in their feelings and the interior stirrings of their souls. And when meditating on your own death, you can call upon your guardian angel who will be present, asking him to inspire you with fitting considerations and so on for other mysteries. In this section, St. Francis begins by making an argument or an apology or an explanation for the necessity of prayer. You know, as Christians, I think it's easy for us, right, to understand that prayer is part of our life, maybe, or should be part of our life at least in some way. Uh, it's part of the devout life. We've been talking about it for a bit now, but it begs the question, why? Why is prayer important? Why is it why is it necessary? And St. Francis gives us two reasons right off the bat. First, it opens the mind. And second, it warms the will. So Father Gregory, what I mean, we could talk about those two, but why why is prayer important? Why are we now that we're getting sort of in th into the nitty-gritty of the devout life, why do we start with with prayer? It's interesting that um prayer doesn't make sense until such time as you pray, because when you look at it from a kind of 21st century American pragmatic kind of point of view, you're like, well, I mean, I could be getting something done. I could be helping the poor. I could be advancing on whatever career path that I've set out for myself, but what I should take time away and I should be quiet. You know, as we go through these chapters, we see that St. Francis especially encourages us in the practice of mental prayer. Um, but yes, so St. Francis, he's of the mind, we as Christians are of the mind, that the interior life 
often affords us the greatest adventures, and the interior life holds out to us the promise of the most significance, the most meaning, uh, the most purpose. And so when he says, you know, that it's going to it's going to enlighten the mind and it's going to enkindle a kind of flame of charity in the heart. That's just the most important thing imaginable insofar as it's what we need to cultivate a relationship with God. And apart from a life lived in communion with God, we really struggle to find anything in our lives that's worth sacrificing for, that's worth giving ourselves wholly and entirely to. And so it's just a, the most basic recognition that apart from this, our lives lack substance. They lack a certain thickness. They're just, I don't know, they're kind of like tumbleweeds getting blown about in some oldie timey film set in the American West. <laughs> that's right. Oldie timey <laughs> film. Exactly. No, that's exactly what we're talking about. Thanks, Father Gregory. Perfect. Um, as you know, as you're tuning into this season of, of the Catholic classics, you're listening to two Dominicans. And I think part of the bread and butter of Dominicans talking about our relationship to God is we, re we refer a lot to the, to the intellect and to the will and you are our hearts and our minds or our minds and our hearts in that order. Um, and, and you might wonder, well, why, like, what, what are we talking about? And it's really, you know, it's really when we're talking about the intellect and the will, our ability to know and our ability to love, we're talking about the Imago Dei, the image of God in, into which we've all been created. You know, we know this from the book of Genesis that we're made in the image and likeness of God. And that's not, that's not a physical likeness, right? Because God doesn't have a, a body. So we're not made to look like God, but we're made to be like God in, in as much as God knows and loves. God is an intellect and a will. Um, and we're, we're, we're made to be able to know and to love him. And part of part of the flourishing of the Christian life is to have our our minds unclouded, right? One of the effects of sin is that we don't know as well. Our minds are kind of confused as to what is true and good. And um, sin also, it, it harms the will because it's it's our will by that, that enables us to love. Um, and sin distorts what, you know, objects of our love, things that we ought to love. So in in the first part of, of the book with St. Francis, we talked about purgation, and, and sort of purging away, getting rid of the things that are contrary to the devout life. And here we can think about it in terms of, of our prayer, of what prayer does. That prayer, the grace that's given to us through prayer, through purgation, opens our mind so that we might know God and creation better and opens our hearts that we might love God and creation better. Um, so this is why at the outset, St. Francis gives us you know, prayer as as one of the two important means to, to, to the devout life. So St. Francis, though, talks about specific a specific type of prayer, right? and that's mental prayer or meditation. What is? I think it's good. It should. It's good for us to to sort of say a word about what that is, where that falls in the, in the world of types of prayer. I don't know, Father Gregory, if you can give us a little um, tutorial on that, that'd be helpful before we talk more about it. Sure. Yeah, I think a good way to situate the conversation is to talk about it in terms of religion. So when we hear religion, we often think of like world religions, like Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever it might be. But in a more basic way, religion is the virtue, which uh, kind of alerts us to uh, what would you say our responsibility towards God. So on account of the fact that God is our creator and our end, we owe Him a debt of justice. And the way that we work towards resolving or Acquitting ourselves of that debt of justice is by worship, by worship, which is the bread and butter of religion. And religion has interior and exterior dimensions. 
So interiorly, we want to give our minds to God and our hearts to God, as we've said before. Uh, giving our mind to God, that's just prayer, right? Giving our hearts to God, we refer to that as devotion, and we touched on that in part one. And then um, exteriorly, we make a variety of different ritual acts and gestures, and we move hither and thither on pilgrimage. Uh, I just said hither and thither, moving on. Um, and, and the interior kind of overflows into the exterior, and the exterior is for reaffirming the interior. So what's most dignified about our lives or most elevated about our lives is the fact that we have this mind with which to know and this heart with which to love, which you identified as the image of God at work in us in the most excellent sense. Um, and our exterior lives are in service of, um, yeah, kind of renewing that image and offering that image back to God. And so vocal prayer is good, right? Vocal prayer kind of, um, yeah, it spills over the bounds of our interior life, but it also reaffirms the, the working of our interior life. Um, but it's in service to this mental prayer, not that we're trying to uh, retreat from the physical world, but that we recognize that physical things are for spiritual things and spiritual things are for God. So ultimately, there's a kind of, um, yeah, a hierarchy, one might say, or this general movement of all creation uh, back towards God in a spirit of religion or in a spirit of worship. So he's going to place a certain emphasis on mental prayer. And um, he's going to underline the fact that if you have access to it, right, if you got things falling into place and you can make mental prayer, well, then, you know, set aside the other things in preference to that. Yeah. And I think just for like signposting terms, we can look at prayer in sort of three under three categories, we could say. Right. So th the first is what Father Gregory was talking about in this sort of hierarchy. So the beginning, the first is this vocal prayer. It's just what the word, you know, vocal indicates that they're, they're spoken prayers. Now, it doesn't always have to be out loud, but, you know, if you're praying, take the Our Father, for example, that could be vocal prayer. Either you pray it out loud, you pray it in your head if you're praying silently, but um, it could be your own words too, but they're sort of spoken words of prayer. As we move deeper into prayer, we have this mental prayer or meditation, and that's thinking about something, and St. Francis will lead us into this in a bit, uh, that's meditating or thinking about a thing, about something about God or God himself. Sometimes we think meditation and kind of a Zen, like clear the mind, but that's not proper meditation. Proper meditation is to think about God, the things of God, um, to consider, ponder in the mind. And then as we move deeper, we can think of contemplation. And that's sort of just sitting with, being with God. We can think of adoration here in a general kind of way. So just keep in your mind this distinction. Now, we, it's not necessary that once you get to mental prayer or meditation, there's no more vocal prayer in your prayer. Or there's once you get to contemplation, you're done with meditation. They're all a piece, but they're different ways by which we pray. So just helpful as we're getting into this section of prayer to, to have that spelled out a little bit, I think. So, all right. Now, in part one, um, when we concluded part one of Introduction to the Devout Life with those 10 meditations, um, St. Francis de Sales started each of those meditations with, with a couple sort of steps, right? And the first step was always to put ourselves in the presence of God or place ourselves in the presence of God. Um, here in part two, as we're talking about prayer more specifically, he does the same thing, right? So again, keep in mind that we're building, we're building this toolkit, we're building together the ways of the devout life. So it's not, we're not done with part one, we're bringing it along with us. So placing ourselves in the presence of God. Okay, great. How? How do we do that? What is that? You know, is it, what is it, what does that mean? You know, it, great. It's a good thing to be told that, but Father Gary, like, how, how do I, how do we, what does that mean? What do we do? 
Sure, yeah. St. Francis de Sales offers a couple of ways in which we can place ourselves in the presence of God. That doesn't mean that we're like teleporting or that we have a prayer helicopter and then we like go to whatever nearest prayer pad and land there in the Lord's immediate presence, but it's more a calling to mind. And when we call to mind, we're made present to another. So if you have a memory of a beloved friend, you call to mind that friend, it's as if that friend is present to you. And in a certain sense, that friend is present to you. Whereas with God, it's even more real. So he says, you know, you can call to mind the fact that God is present in all places because he makes them to be and he gives them their way of acting or interacting. He says, you can call to mind how God is present to the just by grace. So by grace, the the Holy Spirit is sent to our interior life and where the Holy Spirit is there too is the Son and the Father. And then he says, you know, you can think also about the sacred humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can think about various events in the gospel. You can think about him, you know, by virtue of your imagination, your kind of musings on those events. You can think about him as seated next to you insofar as he was seated next to the woman at the well or our blessed mother or St. John. Um, So these different ways, you know, and he proposes a variety of ways in this section, these different ways help us to recall the, the presence of God, which is just a fact of our life and to enter into that mystery uh, more wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think that word recall is super important for us to keep in mind, right? Because we're not we're not creating something. It's not like we have to make something so as for God to be present, but it's recalling that God is present, you know, to ask for his grace to lead us into this conversation with him, into this time with him, um, you know, all of those sort of things. So again, the, the, the burden is not really on us if we want to use that language, right? Like, it's not as if we have to force God to be present. He already is. So it's a matter of us becoming present uh, to God. So in this kind of first step, St. Francis leaves us with this reminder to recall that, you know, God is is with us and that God is is waiting for us, so to speak, in prayer. In the coming episode, we'll continue to look at a, a few more steps of, of preparation for our mental prayer to to go more deeply into prayer, to build these habits. So um, tune in next time to get a little more of St. Francis's uh, tips on preparation for prayer. That's it for today. Be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, To download the reading plan and support the production of the podcast, please visit ascensionpress.com slash Catholic Classics. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we will catch you next time on Catholic Classics. Mm -hmm.